Hey, Water Squad. It's the H2 Duo. We know you're listening to hear us on the pod, but we are hitting the big screen with our new show, Raising the Bar. Leadership can be lonely, but Water's Hype Masters, yours truly, are curating connections one water nerd at a time. We're sitting down with the industry's emerging leaders to share a cold beverage and a kind of conversation around some of the hardest truths about leadership in the water sector. Some might raise the roof, but we're raising the bar. The water industry faces many sizable challenges, as you know. The silver tsunami leaves vital leadership positions vacant. Affordability issues continue to plague communities of all sizes. Two million people in the U.S. still lack access to water and sanitation. Not to mention, our industry desperately needs more diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts so that our sector more accurately reflects the diverse communities we serve. Change doesn't come easy, y'all. And for many emerging leaders, taking on these challenges feels isolating and frustrating. Raising the bar is for anyone that's ever felt on the fringe of the industry for any reason, ideology, sexual orientation, gender, race, culture, etc. It's time to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and have some tough conversations so we can move forward and find solutions together. The first three episodes are set to drop in the fall of 2021. You can watch them at the Rogue Water Lab YouTube channel or website. Be the first to know by subscribing to Lab Notes at roguewaterlab.org forward slash lab notes. Subscribe today. You are listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to this episode. I'm actually really excited about this because we had a conversation about creative resilience during Virtual Catalyst, but those videos are only for registered attendees. Uh, But I thought that it was important enough that I wanted to get me, Greg, and Ariane back together to talk a little bit more about it because we just put out this very vulnerable podcast, episode 106, where we opened up about uh, some of the some of our own things that we've dealt with during the pandemic, things that we've let go of, things that we have adopted as new practices to help us grow. And we've also been asked to speak about creative resilience with RCAP, the Rural Community Assistance Partnership, because their CEO, Nathan Oley, also recognizes that, hello, we're not just robots that come to work. We've all been going through this crazy experience together. Uh, And so what does that mean for us as humans? What does that mean for us as creatives, uh, people? And I think that we all have some degree of creativity in our work. And what does that mean for us just as as employees, I guess, coming to to show up every day? Uh, And and what has all of this experience done to us? And so um, when we did this during Catalyst, we had a fourth panelist, but uh, this was kind of a last minute idea. So I didn't want to bother Mary Zimbrano at uh, City of Austin, but she was she was with us as well. So she's the only voice that you won't hear on this one, but shout out to her and the value that she added for that conversation. So I'm going to lead this conversation and Greg and Arianne are going to chime in. So say hi, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you some of the same questions I asked you before. So it'll be interesting if your answers are different now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was going to say like, I'm in a much different headspace oh, yeah. now yeah, than too. I was 60 days ago. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. definitely same. I'm like, Oh, do we really want to go back down that path? <laughs> <laughs> Just a same path, different lens. Yeah, it's all exactly. good. Well, a 60, 60 day evolution, right. Mm-hmm. Of, of where we've been, been and, and kind of where we are now, I think is actually a really kind of a cool idea. So, yeah. 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 And if you happen to, I mean, I don't expect you to remember what your answers were back in June or July, whenever that was, when was Catalyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, yeah, if you do recognize that or remember that, then feel free to kind of speak to that difference. Um, but so we talk a lot about resilience in the industry as it is, you know, things, resilience, being able to handle adversity, being able to come back from a crisis, being able to weather the storm for our sector, that can be quite literal, can be a winter storm, can be a hurricane, can be a drought, whatever. 
Um, but there's also an element of resilience as a human being. So being able to get through, being able to get through challenging times, I actually think that everyone is resilient. We just have different breaking points. <laughs> so we may, uh, we may hit those at different points in the journey, but essentially we all have the power to come back and be resilient, but I'm a huge creative nerd. And so I really loved when I came across this idea of creative resilience and how create, creative resilience is actually just not a thing that, that I'm into, but also there's a bunch of psychology research done behind how creativity can actually make you more resilient as a person. And so that's kind of what spurred me wanting to talk about this during Catalyst. But my first question that I pushed out um, to the panel to begin with was creativity has a, there's, there's a bunch of different meanings of what creativity is. And so I was going to ask both of y'all again, what creativity means to you? What is your personal definition of it? Ariane, you want to go oh, first? Yeah. <laughs> I, go first. Um, I guess for me and what I do, um, creativity is being able to solve whatever the problem is, being able to solve it in my weird little ways. Um, to, I don't know how to describe this well, in a definition. Weird. They're your little creative ways. Yes. Like if you were to tell me to build something, like I'm going to go walk around and find all these little things that I can use to build this, this thing. It's going to probably be different than what the next person over here is going to build. They might bring popsicle sticks. I'm bringing bailing wire and, you know, whatever I find on the ground. But it's just getting to use different tools and in a way to solve a problem. Yeah. I don't know. Greg. I didn't have to answer that one last time. But you didn't? No. I, th I thought everyone did. I don't think I did. Greg? Well, I, I, yeah, I think for me it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's um, where, where it's not sort of individual activities. It's big scale. It's global. I'm, uh -huh. I'm a... I'm a big picture thinker. I'm a big global picture. I'm not a real detail oriented person. I've recognized that about myself for the last couple of years. So for me, creativity is, is really carving out some purposeful white space to, to really just sit and ponder my purpose and to ponder um, what is, where am I going to put my skills and abilities into play, right? With, within my purpose and then what is needed in this moment. And and I have to really think about that. Um, and I have to think about like, okay, like where can I uh, put my abilities into play? What is this going to look like? And I I try to imagine it in my, in my head. And y'all know that I, that's why I carry a journal with me everywhere. Because mm. as I start that process, I can be in a car one day, just driving down the road. And all of a sudden an idea will come to mind. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I've got to stop and write that down immediately. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for creativity for me, is a, is a process that, that goes on and on and on and on. Right. Um, and it just, yeah, kind of never, never stops. So can I add, you can, because the word tinkering, Oh yeah. Is, mm. is for me. Yeah. Being be, I, if I can tinker with something that's creative for me. Yeah. Um, and this, when you start talking about that, I'm like, that's of course, because y'all two are the visionaries and these big thinkers and my like personality is more of this integrator. Like how can I like tinker with these little ideas that you'll have and like make them come to light. So. Yeah. I love that because that that's exactly what I've discovered with people around me. Right. Is that, you know, they don't get me sometimes in terms of big picture thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they start talking about the details and I'm like, okay, I'm bored with the details. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. But, but I've, Same. I've come to, to really, really appreciate the combination of, of mm -hmm. the two, like the yeah. most important part that the two come together in order to accomplish the thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I actually think that creativity and, and accomplishing creativity must have both parts. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we lack, we might lack one or the other. Right. So I think we have to have them both. Well, y'all yeah. didn't do this intentionally, but you kind of set up the whole, the whole purpose of this conversation is that I wanted to talk vision what creativity means for us in terms of becoming more resilient and why investing in our creativity makes us more resilient. And then getting to Ariane's point, those tinker with some ways that you can mm -hmm. actually implement more of that into your life in order to build up that resilience. Um, so just 
Moving on, if you look up creativity in on dictionary.com or really in any in, in any dictionary, the the they suck. I hate all of the <laughs> the definitions that are wow, I'm gonna tell Webs for that. that are that are there. They're just so for for a word like creativity and what it means to people, yeah. they're just so lackluster. But of course, Seth Godin <laughs> put out a definition of creativity that I know we have a mixed audience of folks who who are our formal communicators um, are not, who are our engineers in the house, what's up, our technical operators in the house, what's up? And so not a, not a lot of those folks always feel like they're creatives, but I yeah. think this definition really allows everyone to recognize their, Embrace, cre- their yeah. own creativity. Mm-hmm. So Seth Godin's definition for creativity is, creativity is the generous act of solving an interesting problem on behalf of someone else. It's a chance to take emotional and intellectual risks with generosity. And I think for our sector, especially that that should ring true for everyone in the sector. Mm, And so so what, why does that matter? What did some, and before I go on again, I forgot to say that the sources of this information that I'm pulling from during this conversation come from psychology journals. I've read from the Harvard business review David Eagleman is my favorite neuroscientist. He's written several amazing books on creativity and neuroplasticity and all of these really fun things I love to read about at 5 a.m. in the morning. And then also this book called Burnout by Dr. Emily Nagowski and Amelia Nagowski. Um, I'm probably saying their last names wrong, but those are some of the resources that I looked in preparing for this conversation. But why does creativity matter to resiliency. Well, it in from a neurological perspective, it encourages positive emotions that unlock inner reserves to deal with stress. So it actually helps us see through a more positive lens, see that light at the end of the tunnel. And from an innovative perspective, it also helps drive that. It helps broaden our perspective. It encourages us to try new things. It helps us see through a different lens. And it actually causes physical changes in our brain that helps us create new connections. So creativity is a big deal. And I think that it's something that no matter what job title is on your desk or your Mm -hmm. business card or whatever, it's important and we need to be investing in it. Um, So real quick, because I know that we can go down this path for a minute. Uh, Ariane and I just did a whole hour long podcast on it, but you know, why are we here talking about resiliency? Well, we've been going through a pandemic for the past 18 plus months. And for a lot of us that are Ariane's um, phrasing of overachieving uh, in her world, perfectionism in mine, um, Greg, I don't know what your, what your word would be, but it's been a tough, it's been a tough run. And if we weren't recognizing our burnout before it came to the front of the stage during this time. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about that first. So what does burnout look and feel like to you, Greg? Yeah, I, um, I think I told y'all, maybe I texted you at some point this summer and I said, I think I lost my purpose. I think I've forgotten my purpose. And I think that that, that to me is what burnout looks like. Um, when I started really forgetting, um, what is, what is my purpose? What am I, what am I about? Not just personally, but, but especially in the work environment, um, then I lost focus and I lost direction. And, and then I just literally, there were days that I, and I'll I'll be honest about this. I sort of just sat here and and wasn't sure what to do. Like, I I don't know where to go with this. I don't. And, and so the way it sort of manifested itself was the thing that I actually hate the most, which then, uh, which is answering emails, sitting and just answering email <laughs> after email after email, right? I, I hate it. Yes. Um, because again, I know there are task-oriented people out there that love to accomplish those tasks, but I hate that during the day, right? And so what I did was I fell into that. Well, then that just perpetuated the fact that I hate this and it perpetuated the fact that I just, see I've lost my way. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And it was just this sort of ongoing thing over and over and over and over again. Um, and I really wasn't sure how to how to get out of it. Um, and so I did something a little, little strange. Um, I don't know if I can talk about this right, right now, real quick. It's of course you can for it. I, I, I actually cre- decided to create a creative space at home, mm. um, which I am now going to be, you know, full-time working remotely from home. And so I had this, this big office, this big study area. And I was like, I need to make it creative. 
And so I actually started a, a design process around me uh, to, this is going to sound very nerdy, but, but again, here's my misfit coming out. I decided I wanted to design a 1930s error uh, study. I love it. And so I went and started buying a 1939 radio and I bought a 1937 old telephone and I started sort of staging this entire area in here so that I could surround myself with a creative vibe mm -hmm. uh, so that I, when I came into this space every day, it sort of um, gave me a spark. It was yeah. leaving my house into the study area. It was like, wow, here's this creative space. And then all of a sudden um, I started seeing some of my creativity coming back, some of my excitement and joy coming back. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I remember my purpose. Right. And yeah. it just sort of began to begin to come. And I would love to say that that happens every single day, all the time. 100% it does not. Mm -hmm, I would yeah. say I'm kind of going through a little funk right now, as a matter of fact, for the last couple of days. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's um, kind of how it uh, manifested itself for me this, this uh, past mm. summer. Well, good. I'm glad you got to share. You, you summed yours up in a nice little package and Ariane and I broke down ours for about an hour. So <laughs> that's yeah. about par for the course. Um, did you have like a little snippet of what burnout looked and felt like to you? Um, yeah, I can real quickly. I, I can recall February, March, probably March um, after the snowstorm, ice storm. I'm not going to call it a snowstorm. Um, and then I, I just, I wanted to quit. I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't know how I could keep going on like this forever. And um, it, that it, that idea in my head started playing out. Like, what if I went and found another job that was really simple that I could check in, do the work and check out and then let home life be the creative place for me. Um, and, and so I let myself kind of daydream about that for a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> and that scared the shit out of me <laughs> because I, you know, you have those moments here and there um, sometimes, but when I, I, act, I felt like I accidentally sat in it too long mm. and it kind of took over. And it was like, again, look, going back to Greg said, I lost my purpose. I'm like, what am I doing? What's my role in this company? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, Ooh, I'm glad you said, how can I help talk about that in a minute? You know, Stephanie, but I'm not helping her, you know, just all these different thoughts going on in your head and how I come, how I combat that is I doubled up on therapy and it honestly, and then started actively asking myself and making myself write it down and journal, you know, I haven't journaled in five, six, seven years, um, making myself do that because I had to get out like, what, where's, where's this all coming from and how, where's the bottom of this barrel, you know? And so I had to go down into that and, and figure all that out. And that's why I said, when we were talking about this, like, 60 days later, I'm in a much better space, headspace than I was then, or I guess more than 60 days since it was March, but yeah, just, you know, it sucks when you feel burnt out and, and it's, and it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. And, um, but for everyone who is, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to keep, keep going and finding it. And it's okay to get there. It mm -hmm. doesn't make you any less mm -mm. of a person or professional. That's if where you get burnt out. Thank like you for saying just, that. That's where I had to focus on is my self-worth. Yeah. And, and really, truly understand what that hyphenated word meant it, that gets thrown out self-care, self-worth, self-care, self-worth. What does that mean? And not, what does that mean to the world? But what does that mean for me? And, and start engaging in what is my definition of self-care and self-worth to get through that. So I know I keep referencing episode 106 where Ariane and I really break this down. I'm not trying to be secretive or make a shameless plug. I just, I don't want to like go down too far that path because we did, we took a really purposeful, meaningful, vulnerable hour to really talk about what, um, mindfulness and coming back from working through all of that yeah. was like for us. Um, so for me, I'm going to talk about it through, I, you know, I experienced similar things to what you both said. And a lot of the things you say, Greg, always, I'm like, oh, we're cut from the same cloth, um, misfits and crime, <laughs> yeah. but that book burnout talked about three characteristics. So if you're trying to, <laughs> I don't always, I don't ever really, uh, recommend self-diagnosing yourself, but these are some <laughs> things listed in this book of three characteristics of burnout, which were, 
emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So emotional exhaustion, just emotions are thing. Emotions are, should be like tunnels that we move through. So it's totally fine to experience it. It may be a long tunnel, but the whole goal is to get us through to the other end. And for a lot of us, when we just get stuck in it, we just get, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be there. Um, depersonalization is that loss of empathy and that decreased sense of accomplishment. Like I, I think I had all of those. Yeah. And when I read that book, it was really helpful for me to see that spelled out, to know that, okay, this is a, this is where I'm sitting right now. This is the place where I'm at. I have a word, I have words to describe mm-hmm. it now. Uh, and so I think that knowing that creativity is a way to help us through this uh, and um, help us become more resilient. And when, once I learned that I said, we, we have to, we have to have a conversation around this. And so you had mentioned Ariane roles. And, and I think that's really important. And I think it's a, again, going back to everyone listening that there aren't these strict barriers around what, a, what creativity is that some of us are more of those visionary type creatives. Some of us are more of the integrator, um, type creative, but Greg has always talked about it in different words of Batman and Robins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Greg, can you break yeah. down the Batman Robin thing for us? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Cause we didn't get a chance to really talk no. about this at Catalyst. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, it, it really opened my eyes. Um, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine at work one day, we were, I had been pushing and pushing and pushing him for probably over a year. And you know, I, he has this incredible capacity. He's super, really smart guy. I'm going to give a shout out to Mike out there, um, hey, Mike. Mike Grave, because it's him. And and hey. he he just, he had this, he's, he's really, really smart. And he's very intuitive, very wise. And so I kept pushing him and saying, I don't understand why you won't lead. Why won't you go start this thing? Why won't you go lead this group? Why won't you go do this thing? And, you know, and he just kind of like would listen to me and nod his head and, and those kinds of things. And then one day after he, I think he just kind of got frustrated <laughs> with me, <laughs> he, he explained it this way. He said, you know, Greg, here's the thing. He said, you're really a Batman and I'm really a Robin. And that's, that's who I am. And he said, you go and jump off the cliff. He said, I'll follow you. I'll, I'll fo- you go jump first and he goes, and I'll absolutely follow you. Mm-hmm. Right. But he said, don't ask me to go jump first. Cause I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And so we began to talk really about this idea and it really, really opened my eyes to this idea that, you know, the sidekick kind of a thing, right? We have a quote unquote bad thought behind that. Like that's the, that's sidekicks aren't great. Everybody needs to be a Batman, you know, yeah. we got to not have any Robins. And it really was a, an aha moment for me to say, no, we absolutely need to be who we are and recognize that there are Batmans and there are Robins Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's okay. We need to accept that role and we need to be, um, you know, be that. And and there was something incredibly freeing about that um, for me to not have to push other people who I recognized really fast that, okay, I think they're a Robin and I need to stop pushing them. I need to stop trying to force them off the cliff because, because they're not going to do it first. So um, yeah, it's a, a really, it was a really aha moment for me. And I've used it in a lot of different coaching and a lot of different, um, with, with some of the folks that I mentor, we've had those discussions and it's really helped me identify really, um, kind of who they are and their identity and their role. Yeah. When you said that it was, I, it was eye opening for me in the fact that now I have words to describe to her how I feel, you know, because we've had these, I've had a lot of life transitions from, having to be the Batman in the city role that I was when, and, and it, on the outside, it's like, Oh, you look like a great Batman over there. Um, when that's not who I am at least now. Um, and, and that's okay. I think you gave me permission to say, that's okay. I'm going to own the role that I want to be in. And that's the Robin role right now. And I'll let her be Batman. She can jump off a cliff all day long and I will follow her. Like you said, um, but when she tells me to go moderate for a panel, I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or jump off a cliff and I'm like, no, hell no. But also I agree yeah. that, you know, Robins get the short end of the stick yep. in terms of perception. And I don't think that we're that's, your biggest cheerleaders too. And Yeah, agree. And I don't think that that's fair because I, 
I also struggling perfectionism for me is also struggling with like having to be all things. But to your point, Greg, like I don't want to do all things. Like there are things that I want to be who I am too. And so I think that it's important for us as the Batman, Wonder Women, whatever you want to call us, that we, that we do talk about our support, like, Mm -hmm. and our, like our right hand folks that are there with us to help, to help implement the vision. You know, it's not a one man, one woman show. I think, let me, I'm going to, I want to, yeah, I want to go into that. I want to, yeah, I want to talk about that because that's (laughs) really, but that's a really amazing point, Stephanie, because a lot of times people think that as a leader, right, as the top leader, as the Batman leader, that that means that we're supposed to love and be able to do everything. Yeah. And that is the thing that the, that the Robins don't understand is that, that, yeah. that they think, right, that the Batmans of the world are going to do it all. And, and I just said a while ago, the thing that weakens me the most are our tasks, our checklists. Those are the things that actually weaken me the most, right? The things that strengthen me are the big picture things. So allow me to work in my role, allow, you know, the other folks to work in their role. And then those two things together really move, move things forward. And, um, and it's so, I'm going to say something really stupid here, but there there was a movie made about this It was actually called sky high. (laughs) You may not even remember that with, um, but, but it was about a high school of a bunch of superheroes and, ah. and yeah. And all of the, all of the, uh, you know, sidekicks were like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Now. And it was, yes. and, and that was the whole premise of that movie was the sidekicks actually save the day in the end. And it was talking about how just, they are just as important as all of the hero right. uh, people were. And it really dove into that concept, believe it or not. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, that just came to mind. And I want to, I guess, like, just say because I know how it would feel to be that one person. You are just one person in your department. So you're like, cool. You have a duo. Cool. Great. I'm still one person. Yeah. But I think it's on you to recognize, uh, am I a Batman or am I truly a Robin in disguise? You know, like, am I pretending to be a Batman? And if you're pretending to be a Batman and you're really a Robin, you have to make the case to go find your, your Batman. You have to make that case and people are going to say, how will I ever get budget money for to hire another person or hire, do this or do that. That's where the whole creativity thing comes in place is it may not be a hire, but it may be a partnership or it may Mm. be something else that can help you find the the missing piece, your Batman or Robin role. Yeah. And I think we maybe find a new job. I think we did that when we, uh, we started like our own little work. We called it yeah. our work group when, uh, me, her, and another buddy of ours, what we were all at different utilities, but we just felt the synergy amongst each other. And we called it our work group, which was water outreach recreated. recreated. And we would just meet casually informally for happy hours, really. And we would discuss our program ideas and it really helped. I know that some of that is happening already, but it was, I think ours was just, it was less, it was less formal and it was, you know, we, we got together because we liked each other too, but to Ariane's point, it doesn't always have to be a new hire or initially it can just yeah. be, I mean, those, people that those moments that we had helped us go, well, this is the program or this is the thing that I'm doing this is where I'm stuck. Like, do you have any ideas? Like, what do you think? What have you done? And we could just sit there one-on-one, have a drink and talk through all that, or give me talking points to go talk to my boss about, you know, whatever thing I'm trying to convince them to do. So I think it is really important to think outside the box there and, but mostly identify yourself as Batman or Robin. Yeah. Good. And I don't think maybe you're poison Ivy or the Joker. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't think it's all about also just that, Yes, I do think that leaders shouldn't be expected to be all things to all people, but I also, that's not just of what's comfortable for the leader, but it's just really inefficient Mm -hmm. because I, in those things that I don't necessarily want to do, a reason that I don't want to do them is because I'm not that, I'm not as efficient at them as someone else may be. I'm going to get stuck in the weeds and be overthinking and be in the details when I don't need to be. And if there's other people who can just like check things off box and get things done, then that's, that's Mm -hmm. a more effective use of time, Mm -hmm. resource materials, all of that. So I also think it's an element of that. 
Yeah. And I always say it's actually unfair for others mm-hmm. to expect that for the leader. Right. Yeah. And I, and then I think for the leader, I always say it's pretty arrogant if you think you can do it all. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we have to, yeah, we have to take, take those things into consideration mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Arrogant or you just, you don't have to be because for somebody like me, it's not going to be because of arrogance. It's going to come from, I think that there is the expectation of me that mm-hmm. I need to do this. Yeah. And if someone gives me the permission to say, what are your strengths? What strengthens you? What weakens you? And I can't guarantee you that everything that you're going to do is going to, you know, be something that strengthens you. We all have to do things that we don't want to do. That's just a matter of life, but you have the permission to walk away from this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Cause otherwise I'll take it on. <laughs> Cause that's, well, just- yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. like, like I will go, Oh yeah, they've entrusted me. I am mm-hmm. big, bad Greg. I can do this. Right. And I, and I get it in my head. Like it starts going in my head. Yeah. That, well, you know, I can, I can handle this and I can do this uh, until at such point as I'm like, you know, completely burned out or completely, you know, I don't, I don't like to use, I, I, I want to read that book. I haven't read that book on burnout. Um, I try to use the word. I just, I'm deflated. Yeah. You know, I just get deflated. And then I just literally, my wife will come in and she's like, why are you watching this show on TV that like has no redeeming value at all? <laughs> and I just like, cause I just need something I can just drool right now and not even yeah. have to yeah. think about. Right. Because yeah. I'm so deflated at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad that we got to, to we got to break that down and for everyone listening, you know, really think about which one are you, a Batman mm-hmm. or a Robin? And guess what? Whichever one it is. Put it in Twitter uh, as a gift. Oh, yeah. So I can see. Ooh, that's Hit good. Us up. Look, yeah. at, look at Ariane over here. <laughs> Got my creative juices. She's integrating some, uh, <laughs> some engagement. Yeah. So hit us up, tag us um, at the underscore H2 duo and put hashtag Batman, hashtag Robin, or better yet, use a GIF. Hello. <laughs> That's our, my love language or GIFs. Um, and just, you know, let us know. So I wanted to hop into some of those ways to build creative resilience. And then just, I have some things that again, from the research I pulled out uh, and would, you know, love to get y'all's take on it. But First, I'm going to give the definition of creative resilience according to a psychology journal, um, Psychology Today. I, I don't remember the name of the journal itself, but oh, creative resilience is the capacity to generate and act on positive solutions under the pressures of challenge and change. And again, the reason that we're having this whole conversation is because creativity is a key, a key tool that can be used to become more resilient. But resiliency we're talking about this with under the premise of the pandemic and quarantine and life as we know it being upended and changing. But before we get into some of those ways to become more creative resilient, I wanted to talk about some creative roadblocks that we had to be resilient to even before the pandemic happened. And I think that we can talk about all three of these at once because they're kind of similar, but the terrible three. So the obvious no. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. we've tried that before. We've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if one of y'all want to hop on just kind of the way, if you have a one example from your career in water as a communicator, I'll go back to what my six-year-old says. Okay. <laughs> but why? Yeah. yeah. But why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why can't I? You mean that's the anecdote is yes. just coming back with the why? Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I, I was going to say that same thing too, Ariane. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it is kind of that why I, I read, I read something, talk about Seth Godin. I just read something in his a blog. I think it was a couple of days ago. Um, and he says, and it, you know, it's talking about making a difference versus making a point. Yes. And he says, I, I love this one. He said, but making a point isn't the same thing as making a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I've, I've really started thinking about people who say we've, we've tried that before. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and instead of just blowing that off, like I kind of would get roll my eyes and get kind of upset and go, okay, but you know, we need to move on and we need to, tr- there may be a real reason right. why they're yeah. saying that. For sure. And so I've, I've tried to be patient a lot more these days to mm-hmm. say, okay, why do you say that? Yeah. And then, you know, let them sort of unpack that. And then as I listen to that, they may actually have a good reason for saying that. And I go, 
that's fair. And, and we, we actually mm-hmm. are in the same culture today as, as when that was tried before. So maybe, maybe we shouldn't try that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when I listen to it, I think to myself, the opposite, we're in a completely different culture now. Like that was tried 14 years ago. Um, our culture of our organization has changed. The culture of the water space has changed. And so now is the time to try that again. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think y'all know me well enough to know though, too, that I'm not afraid to try things, but I also believe in failing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like if it fails quickly, um, I'm not afraid to pull it. I'm not afraid to mm-hmm. say we made a mistake. Um, I mean, I'm, ta- and I'm talking quick. I'm talking yeah. like a month and a half. If I realize a month and a half, two months into it, this is not going to work. I don't see any traction. Yeah. I'm willing to say, let's fail quick and let's pull it and let's move on. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to, to be able to do that. So and sometimes like quitting doesn't mean chunking the whole thing. It may be pivoting right. or reiterating or reframing something and seeing if that works better. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, those, the no's and the, and the, um, you know, we've always done it that way before going back to what Arianne just said. I think the, the, the answer is, well, why do you say that? Mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. why do you say that? And then as they begin to talk about it or, you know, or whatever, then we can uh, unpack that in another way. Yeah. I, you said this in a different way, but this is what I thought of when you said it. So maybe when, what I thought of is I don't, I'm not here to be right, or I'm not here to Mm. be right. I'm here to get it right. I think so. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need to have all the answers, but, um, I do want to make sure that I get it right. You said that in a little different way, but that's what I thought of when you said it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Seth Godin said that, right? It's not making a point, but making a difference. That, yeah. Right? And so sometimes people just want to make a point that we've exactly. tried that before mm-hmm. yeah. versus making a difference by saying, okay, well, but let's figure out how we can make a difference. Yeah. 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 And I think that for all of us, we're a little further along in our career journeys because that is, uh, I mean... I heard no one time uh, <laughs> and I almost quit. I almost left this industry and not out of like, um, it was less about how dare you say no to me, but it was more about just the way that it was done. Yeah. And I felt just very belittled and just unvalued. And it was because I was given no feedback. I was given no way to possibly make it better. And that was just really deflating for me. (laughs) And that was really what was rooted in the me wanting to just like, it was, I was pissed. Yeah, (laughs) I was angry. Um, And so both, both of you kind of touched on this with the why, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this really quick before we moved on to the different, some of the different tactics. Uh, But I was recently at the utilities management conference my first in-person conference in 18 months. It was very recharging for me. And there was a really great panel put on by the young professionals that was essentially, essentially a way to kind of get on the same page. Like what do millennials, or what do young professionals, it wasn't millennials, what do young professionals really want? And it was talking, one of the main themes was talking about attracting, retaining uh, workforce related. And Chelsea Boozer was talking about how there's a lot of, there's a lot of terrible generalizations out there about every generation. Mm. Um, but you know, I feel like right now, because the millennials are the bulk of, are the bulk of the working, the workforce right now that they get the, that they get the, the worst end of it. And so there's a lot of things out there, but one of them was just, and this came up routinely during that conversation was this notion that millennials are somehow, um, I had the word right there and then I lost it. Um, when you feel like you, ex- when you feel like you deserve something entitled, entitled, entitled. entitled. Uh-huh. and that sometimes when they ask questions that they are met with defensiveness and, and, and uh, someone from an older, a more seasoned generation in the audience. <laughs> and what they were trying to say was that we're not trying to be entitled. entitled. No. We're mm-hmm. just trying to figure out why, and we're trying yep. to learn. Yes. And so a more seasoned member in the audience said, I've never heard that before. If you just started the conversation with the intent behind why you yeah. were asking, then that would totally reframe the way that I took your questions. Yeah. And so just as like a tangible takeaway for that, 100%, you should be asking questions and find out more and learn more. And that's like just trying to be empathetic of the people that you're talking to as well. But 
lead with that intent yeah. and, uh, and say like, I'm, why am I asking? This is why, because I think that maybe we can still do something here, but I want to understand more of like how I can make you comfortable with this, mm-hmm. you know, like lead with that. That's why I think the most, the most deflating response, number one, in my opinion, is because I said so. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's no, because I said so. That's the most defeating yeah. because there's not a reason. It's just because I'm the boss and I say so right now, I guess people could say, well, that's a reason, but it, to your point, oh, it's it a reason me, for me to go around that bush <laughs> and do sure, something different, sure. but, but it doesn't help you grow. Does it? No. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. really give you the doesn't feedback you need to be able to say, okay, well, how can I make it better? Or I can accept that reason because yeah. of, of whatever. It's just simply saying, I don't like it. It's just me. It's my personality. Mm-hmm. No, because I'm the boss. Yeah. And, and I think it doesn't um, work with your kids. It won't work with your no. employees. <laughs> It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work for anybody. And Mm-mm. that's why I think it is, in my opinion, it's the number one yeah. most deflating comment that somebody can give to another, a, a, you know, leadership position can give to somebody who they're trying to lead. is just that, yeah. yeah, that no, because I said so. For sure. Um, okay. So getting into some of these ways to build creative resilience for me, uh, or one of them was to know your creative process. And why is this? So that you know what you need to ask for to help you be, to help you even begin this journey. And Greg, you had mentioned creating your space. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really important for me too. I am such a product of my space, but creating another type of space, space and time, which I think you also talked about white space as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, I have to have time and input. So I like to I'm saying digest, but I mean, read things, watch things, see things. Um, and it doesn't all have, to, and I don't mean like work related, but I just, I need to have all these different inputs. Cause I stuff those in my little, as Ariane would say, filing cabinet. And then later my brain will go mm. pull those. Oh, remember that time you saw that art installation on that? Yeah. And so what, I, but the thing I will say about time is I had time blocked out on my calendar for a hot minute. And I was still violating my own boundaries around that time and not using it for what it was for. And so I really had to make a daily practice of committing to that time and using it for what it was. And then silencing the voice in my head that comes every single day, telling me that I'm somehow slacking off because I'm not marking all these items off my tasks that I am experiencing white space. So that is part of my creative process and what was important to me and helps me be clear on what I need. So Greg, what about yours? Good. good. Yeah. I, I, I've done something a little bit different. I'm going to, again, I'm going to be these days. I've been a little more, more vulnerable, I think, and I'm, I'm willing to share. Um, I've decided to embrace my inner nerd mm-hmm. and yes. I would have probably said um, months and months ago or before the pandemic, I would have said, know your inner nerd. Right. But now I've changed that to embrace it mm-hmm. because I knew the kind of nerd that I was and some of the things that that really creative creatively stirred me. But I didn't necessarily want to embrace those or even share with other people. I mean, we've talked about this in our misfit talk. Right. I mean, like that's that sub basement kind of level that you just don't want people to go go into. So um, I've, I've embraced it. And, and what that, you know, what that means is, is there are certain weird creative things that for me, y'all know, this is I'm this massive Disney parks nerd. I'm not a Disney nerd, right? I'm not like, I love all the Disney movies and stuff of that nature. I love the Disney parks mm-hmm. and the Disney parks give me encouragement and give me creative sort of spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I decided to sort of plunge headlong into like in my social media, I joined like 10 Disney world groups on, on Facebook. So I could yes. be a part of the conversation. Right. And I could hear what they were saying. And I could realize that I'm part, I'm part of a nerd, uh, world universe. Of people yeah. Who feel the same way, um, as I do. And I've even, you know, taken it to the, to the extreme. I think y'all know this, that I'm, I've, I'm planning a solo trip to Disney world yeah. in September for an entire week. Right. So awesome. Just so I can explore that entire thing. Um, creatively. And I, and I believe 
like I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm so excited about taking pictures and doing journal writings and doing some illustrations while I'm there. People are like, well, you're not going to go and, you know, ride all the rides and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm actually going to embrace my inner nerd and come back with sort of a creative spirit out of that, that, that I believe will carry on, um, with other things. So sure. I've embraced my inner nerd, right. I've, I've realized this is really like who I am and I'm going to embrace it. And then I'm going to surround myself with it here in my office. So when I come into my office, I'm like, yes, there it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'm also going to do it in my social media and I'm not going to apologize for it any longer Yeah. because I used to say, that's just a waste of time. That's just childish. Yes. That's just, I had all these excuses right. for it. And I'm now done with that. I'm like, yeah. this is who I am. And this is what brings me joy and brings me fun. And really to this whole conversation today, Stephanie and Arianne, it has unlocked creative resiliency in me. This is the thing that has actually unlocked it for me is to it. finally say, this is really who I am. And I really enjoy this stuff, this Disney stuff in my mm-hmm. life. And it's just now actually flowed joyfully into a whole lot of other areas that I just didn't expect for it to do. Mm, love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Greg is to Disney what Stephanie is to Marvel. So yep. Greg think- is to Disney what Arian is to true crime podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Murder mysteries. Oh, here so we go. We just we just un- unveiled. Oh yeah. Some of I, our inner nerdness, right? Yeah. Like y'all y'all say that. I'm I'm serious though. I mean, I'm owning that. That is what I like to do is get in my car. And my favorite thing about coming on coming up here on Fridays to the office with Stephanie is listening to two hours of murder mystery <laughs> at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, but all joking aside, I love, um, I love those shows and I love, I like, well, <clears throat> she reads all these books. I'm listening to all these different types of podcasts too. Mm-hmm. And that I've realized that that is how, <clears throat> excuse me, that is my input or whatever you want to call it um, of, different ways to do these strategies over here, different ways to do this. Like I'm getting all these different versions or different types of podcasts in my brain. And I'm going, okay, how can we do this over here? How can we do that over there? And so um, embracing that side of it. And I love to puzzle. Mm. I love to do puzzles and like obsessively. And I have embraced that. (laughs) And now I have a collection of puzzles. And when I move to my new house, I have a puzzle desk waiting for me. Nice. <laughs> I love so that. Um, yeah, just to, sure. it's one of those things that for people like me who have a little OCD, ADHD, anxiety, to be able to do those tinkering things with my hands like that, um, but kind of not using my brain as much, just kind of tinkering around and I can think about things or listen to something in the meantime, like that is so, I need that. I need that space to do that and not listen to the kids, mm. not worry about anybody else, but just have that moment to, to do and think at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to run through some of these other ones um, just for time's sake. So if something jumps out that you want to just raise your hand or I don't know, get my attention. <laughs> Uh, but we, we kind of talked about time. I mentioned that already, making sure that you reclaim Mm -hmm. that, uh, Microsoft did a research project that said that focus time needs to be two hours of Mm -hmm. uninterrupted time. That is the time block on my calendar, two hours, because it takes us that long to to reset our brains, Mm -hmm. to focus on something and to also be own it that we have all become slaves to our phones. So put it away. And when I say away, I mean, out of sight turn it on airplane mode, just get it out of your sight. We are neurologically trained now to just, it's like a, we got to get our fix. So put your phone away. We've already kind of touched on this, the whole strength in numbers, finding your community, finding those, um, finding your Batman and your Robin, whichever one you need that may or may not be within the same organization to begin with. We have done that, uh, or we've talked about that. Um, we've, I've touched on the inputs and just creativity is all about having a variety of inputs mm-hmm. for your brain to store and pull from later. So finding ways to, to build up your, your input, your input filing cabinet. Yes. I love that. Your input <laughs> filing cabinet. Yeah. Uh, one That's of those great. ways is just to stay curious, uh, 
don't be afraid, afraid to try something new and, and put it on a calendar. You have a thing. Can I say something about yeah. that? Yeah. Everyone who got to make sourdough bread or try a new <laughs> instrument or whatever, you know, start a TikTok, uh, you know, account. Yeah. Like kudos to y'all. You're awesome. But something that I learned about my something new was not doing any of that. <laughs> not feeling the pressure to have to do any of that. Like yeah. creating this white room, this white space, you know, y'all had all these trinkets and things in there. And my, my like white space, my white room is literally just a bare, you know, calming, serene spa, like, you know, just a, a place that I can just, oh, yeah, cause you're already so. overstimulated. Yes. So up here. Less. I need like yeah. less. Yeah. yeah. Good. So yeah. It's okay if it's the opposite, you know, doing nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I say try something new each week, put yourself yeah. in different situations, explore different influences and input. I think Tom Hickman with 12th and Valley Water District is he's really great at that. He's really great at challenging himself to learn about new perspectives mm-hmm. and different ways of thinking and then seeing which parts of those he can implement. And you're a great implementer too, Greg. You read things and then actually put them into action. Yeah. You don't just hoard them up in your brain, never to be seen again. And for all those who are pushing boundaries for the people who need to set boundaries. Oh yeah. Start setting some boundaries yeah. and follow up with that. Oh, uh, neuroscience thing is get off the path of least resistance. Uh, the older we get, the lazier our brains get. We just heard that echoed by Tobin Redwine yesterday. <sighs> um, our brains just get so it's their job to help us survive and the least amount of energy we put into something. That's what the goal is. And so when we try to learn a new skill and we push those boundaries by experimenting, Mm -hmm. that's really where we create new pathways in our brain and help our brain to, to, that's like exercise for your brain. Um, and then find, don't feel like you have to go total extremes, find the sweet spot between something that's familiar and then something that is new, you don't have to, you don't have to take up sourdough bread making if you've never made a, a, if you don't even know how to make eggs, you know, that may not be the thing that you want to try, or maybe it is, but just don't put that pressure on yourself to, to do that, but get off the path of least resistance and do something that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Greg, you talked about this when you said going to Disney and just being surrounded by, by the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I, one of the ways to kind of build up that creative resilience is to engage all of your senses. Mm -hmm. So don't just, that's another reason to put the phone down, put it away. When you go someplace new or someplace different, try to notice more than just what you see. Um, that's also a way of meditation too, but what are you smelling? What are you Mm -hmm. feeling? What are you, what are you touching around Mm you? Um, thinking about all of your senses helps you stay really present Mm -hmm. in the moment. Can can I say something with that real quick? Absolutely. Okay. That right there was actually during catalyst that was instrumental in me finally deciding to go ahead and, and, and do a solo trip. Yeah, it really was. You talked about like, I hear something and then I try to implement it. That was that was really an aha moment for me mm. in, in, at Catalyst when we talked about that. I went surround myself mm-hmm. with experiences or the whole experience. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, I'm, I'm diving into this Disney thing right now. That's really exciting, but I'm like, I need to surround myself with it. And the yeah. only way I know to do that is to, to do this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a, give a shout out to the fact that that out of Catalyst has come to fruition. It's coming hopefully <laughs> to fruition, yeah. uh, yeah. End of September. So nice. And that's what I love to hear. Um, another way, another thing is expanding your space. Um, I think we need to be more tactile. We've become so digitized that we have more than just those senses. And so for me, it really like get it up on a board, get it up on a giant post-it note, make a collage, get it out of your screen, write it down. I know that some people put in their phone, that's fine, but write things down sometimes first, snap a picture of it if you want to capture it. But there's just, because of the convenience of everything being so digital now, we're kind of letting these other sides of our senses and other sides of our brain go dormant. And if we take the time to get out of that and bring things outside and make them more tactile, that creates more opportunity for for memory, for remembering that, for connection, um, for, for that creative input that you need later. So expand your space, whatever that means. 
Um, and then just a few final thoughts, take the pressure of creating something new off your shoulders to Ariane's point with tinkering. Creativity is about finding new connections between existing ideas. You're, it's not about, it's about um, David Eagleman, who I said is my favorite neuroscientist. How many people can say that? Uh, <laughs> he, he talks about bending, breaking, and blending. So when you're trying to get there and think creative and think differently about something, don't put the pressure on, God, I have to create this thing that no one's ever seen or done before. Yeah, no. no, bend, break, blend, approach it from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a really great book out there called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. He talks a lot about that too. And that just inspires you to, mm -hmm. to come up with your own idea is to like work with others first and see mm -hmm. what happens. Um, there was a quote in there that said, what we create is unique because our life experiences are unique. Yeah. So we're all going to bring a different perspective. Greg, you touched on, don't be afraid of failure. I think that is so important, yeah, for sure. so important. And to have the courage to do that and to own it and to just make sure that that's clearly communicated. That's a part of your creative process. It is. Mm -hmm. um, and then last but not least, before we close rest, <laughs> mm. please just rest Creativity comes from our engagement with life outside of our emails and our text messages and our social media. Inspiration is quite literally everywhere. And so get up, get outside, take a walk, um, get back in nature. Don't get back in nature. I mean, like, yes, you can listen to our podcast while you're walking, but sometimes go on a walk without us. You know, we'll be there when you get back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, anything else that you want to add before we close out? I just, I want to say I was listening to this list and, and what, what came out is something I've, I've said before. There's a, there's a commonality there, right? And it's, it's, it's you itself, mm. right? That's the commonality. And what sure. I've said before is my, my mentor used to always tell me self-leading, self-feeding. Yeah. And what I, what I want to encourage your listeners to just, and, and maybe this is a little bit harsh, but this is what I, what I feel like I need to say at this point after that, that list is that you're sitting around waiting for somebody else to pour into you. You're sitting around waiting for your HR department to give you a training opportunity, or you're waiting even for the H2 duo to have the next catalyst. You're yeah. waiting, right, yeah. for something to stir you. And what that list just said is, is that you have to do it. You're yeah. going to have to self-lead and self-feed. And so um, those that are sitting around right now saying, well, I'm just waiting for somebody else to stir me. Um, I'm sorry, but all due respect, you're going to be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm, yeah. And so, you know, if you if you want to start seeing some of that creative resiliency in your life, you're going to have to engage in it yourself. You're going to have to get yourself up off your rear end, and you're going to have to actually, you know, join join the game, join the race. Yeah. And and when you do that, that's that self leading portion. What begins to happen is you begin to have that self-feeding portion, right? And you begin to be fed by each of those activities you're doing, whether it's reading, conferences, you know, as you're searching those things out. And it's a, just a, um, it's just an effect that just goes on and on and on. And it's such an amazing thing when you, when you get into that. So I just want to give that encouragement um, to, to anybody who's sitting right now thinking to themselves, okay, great. This all sounds great. When is it all going to come to me? Well, yeah. it's not. It's right? not. It's not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes work and it takes practice for sure. And it's a daily practice to, to stay at. I think that's been a mind shift for me is thinking that, uh, like riding a bike, once you learn how to ride it, you always learn how to ride it, but that's not how a lot of this mindfulness stuff is. It's not like yeah. you just yeah. get it. And one day you don't have to ever have to work on it again. It's right. a daily practice. Um, and there's a saying in Judaism and I'm not trying to be a rabbi, but I love it. But my goal is to be this geologist of the soul. Like we can, we can show you where to dig and what to dig for, but the digging you must do yourself. Mm. And so that's what I was Ooh, thinking of whenever good. you said yeah. that. Um, really good. but just as a reminder, again, creativity, the definition that the H to do approved definition <laughs> is that creativity is the generous act of solving an interesting problem on behalf of someone else. It's a chance to take emotional and intellectual risks with generosity. Creativity is more about is creativity is about more than creating things. Mm -hmm. It can remake our lives, make us more resilient. It helps us tell our story, which in turn helps us all feel more connected to one another. 
And as I said, that this is a practice. So again, to quote Seth Godin, man, we need to get royalties from this guy. (laughs) Again, to quote him in terms of practice, it's it's hard. It takes work to Greg's point. No one's going to do it for you, but do that often enough and you can create a practice around it. Mm -hmm. It's not about being gifted or touched by the muse. Instead, our creative practice, whether you're a painter, a coach or a fundraiser, whatever, is a commitment to the problems in front of us and the people who will benefit from a useful solution to them. Mm -hmm. So the work that matters. Thank you both for joining me again for this reiteration of the conversation that we got to have during Virtual Catalyst. I just felt like it was too important not to share with the wider audience. Mm -hmm. So. Appreciate you both for being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for inviting yeah, me. Yeah, thanks. Re- re- reiteration evolution, right? Ooh, yes, it's, it yeah, is. It's the reiteration yeah. evolution. So yes. yeah, mm-hmm. it was great to get other ideas and thoughts about in terms of where we are now. So yeah, thanks for the for sure. thanks for the conversation today, y'all. We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The Water in Real Life podcast is a Rogue Water Lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo. That's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by Rogue Water Lab, 12 Midnight, and Matt Black Sound. Sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound. For more Water in Real Life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.